Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And we're going to do a bit of an interactive message this morning. Uh, and I ca- something came to me on the drums, but I haven't had a chance to work it into my notes. So I need somebody to remember it for me so that when we get to that bit... You can yell out and say, this is the bit where you were going to talk about such and such. So who, who likes food? Does anyone like food? Yeah. Who? Now, keep your hands lifted. Now, put your hands down if you, if you wouldn't say you absolutely love food. If you don't absolutely love food, put your hands down. Wow, we've got a lot of food lovers in, in the house. <laughs> That's good. It's going to be a good message. Okay. If you're here this morning and you fit all three of these criteria. You absolutely love food, you've got a great memory, and you're going to pay attention to the preaching this morning. (laughs) Put your hand up. (laughs) Diane. So, Diane, here's what I need you to remember for me, okay? I need you to remember you are what you eat. You are what you eat, okay? So when we get to a bit that sounds like it's got something to do with food... You just put your hand up and you say, Brendan, you are what you eat. Okay? And then I'll remember and we'll do that bit. Okay. She's got it. Good. It's interactive preaching. It's good. You know, we've been on a journey this year as a church. We began the year with a series we called Gospel Detox. And we found out about what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. And then we moved on to a series called The Grace Invasion. We discovered about the magnitude of God's grace uh, through the gospel. Uh, We saw that grace in action when we did our uh, God is Able series, which led up to Rise and Build Sunday. And then we discovered that because of that grace, we can be unified as one in the body of Christ, no matter who we are, where we come from in our series all for one. Who remembers All for One? That's fantastic. The church has grown a lot since All for One because there's four people who remember that. And look at all the people here this morning. And of course, most recently, uh, we did our series, The Narrow Path, where we, where we found out about beginning on the journey uh, with God. And so there's a lot of things in all of those things that relate to a beginning, a new beginning where God changes us and he comes into our life and we begin walking with God. We are made right with God. We're starting out with God. So, so, so we've done a lot of things about beginning. So now what? We've started. What are we meant to do now? I've received Christ. He's come into my life. Now what? (laughs) Grow. We're beginning a new series this morning, and the new series is called Grow. You know, God has uh, a journey mapped out for your life, a journey of discipleship. It started on the narrow path, and it is going to take you on the greatest journey that your life could ever entail. It's about discipleship. It's about relationship with God and relationship with others. It's about following Jesus and helping others follow Him as well. There's one thing that's guaranteed. 
If you give yourself over to Jesus, he won't leave you where you are. You see, because along the way, he's going to teach you, he's going to equip you with different skills and knowledge. There are going to be different stages of your life journey where you'll need new levels of strength and stamina. And he will continually be shaping you into the image of his son, Jesus, making you more like him. And he will walk you through and towards a destiny which he's crafted specifically for you and take you places and transform you in a way that you never even thought was possible at the beginning. Is anybody excited about that? But all of that means that we need to grow. Because if we stay where we were at the beginning and we want to get to where we are at the end, the things that happen along the way need us to grow to be able to make it. And so I'm praying in this series that we would plant seeds in people's hearts that would grow inside your spirit. I'm praying that you're going to be stretched and challenged over this series, that you would begin to see that there are areas in life, in your life, where maybe God has got more for you, where you can grow your capacity, where you can grow your faith, where you can grow in the spirit, grow in your understanding. That's my prayer for this series. So why don't you, why don't you close your eyes with me and let's actually pray together as we set out on this journey. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here with us this morning. And we pray that you would speak to every heart, pray that you soften every heart, pray that you come into every heart. We know that your plans are great. We know that your plans require us to grow. So we pray that you be with us, you walk with us, and you work through us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So what is it in you that God is developing at the moment? What is He leading you in at the moment? What is He teaching you at the moment? This morning, I just want to lay the groundwork for this series. Is that all right? I want to open your hearts to the possibility that God has more for you. I want to encourage you to prepare your hearts to be shifted and to grow. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Otherwise, we're going to see it on the screen. It says this, O foolish Galatians! Turn to the person next to you and say, Foolish Galatians! Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Next slide. I can read it from here if you like. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message, believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? Foolish Galatians. This next sentence is the key to this scripture for me. After starting your new lives in the Spirit... Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? He's saying, surely everything we've been through wasn't for nothing if you now try and make yourself perfect by your own human effort. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because 
because you obey the law? Of course not. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, God can't use me and God can't use me to work a miracle because I'm not perfect? It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. God's power flowing through us has to do with our belief, not our behavior. That was a freebie. I didn't even have that in my notes. (laughs) He says, after starting your new lives in the Spirit... So there's the tie-in for what we've been talking about, the beginnings. And then he says, you now are trying to become perfect by your own human effort. And so the Galatians, they're trying to grow as Christians, but they're clearly doing it in the wrong way. And I think that we fall into the same trap. Here's the problem. We think that we know what a Christian is, the way that a Christian should behave. And so we look at that image and we try and behave like that. Common, right? We try, that's us trying to grow ourselves. Saying, that's what I have to be. I'm going to try and be that. But you see, Christianity is not about abiding by a specific moral conduct. Christianity is about being transformed by a loving God with whom we have a relationship. you'll notice there's three hashtags along the bottom there. So if you're using social media and you hear something great, you can just go, hashtag grow. And don't worry, I'll, I'll tip you off for the things that are good enough for tweeting. <laughs> okay? So if you've got multitasking on your device, you can be taking notes on one and then just double tap, Twitter. Galatians 5, verse 22 the 23. This came to me as I was thinking about this idea of trying to grow in God's strength and trying to grow in our own strength. It says this, we know it well, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things might be wondering what's going on over here all shall be revealed see the key to this scripture for me is who produces the fruit in our lives what does the scripture say the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives you see That means it's not our job to produce that fruit in our lives. It's the job of the Holy Spirit. That is something that is for Christians, but is often missed by Christians. You see, this revelation, this one revelation, sets people free from trying to be a good Christian. The picture the Scripture paints is one where the Holy Spirit is like a tree inside us, and that tree is bearing fruit. Who likes fruit? You just like the sugar, don't you? Let's be honest. Who eats lemons whole? That's what I thought. So let me ask you this. Why do you think God wants us to bear fruit?
Is it just so that we've got lovely lives? Why, why, does he want, why does he want you to be loving, joyful, peaceful, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled? I'm getting some mumbles from the front row. They sound good. Good, good, good. I'm not going to reveal to you what they're saying yet because, you know, I want you to have a bit of time to think about it for yourself. We've got really wise people down the front. I don't want to give it away. So, so, so we can answer the question of why does, why does God want us to produce fruit by asking the question, why does a tree produce fruit? Why does a tree produce fruit? To reproduce. Right, so the, the tree puts seeds inside the fruit and then it produces fruit which is nice to eat. And then animals come and they come and they eat of the fruit and they say, that tastes good. If there is two trees next to each other, one of them does a rubbish job of producing fruit and it tastes gross. The other one has great tasting fruit. All the monkeys are going to go to the great tasting fruit tree and that one is going to spread its seeds much further. The rubbish tasting fruit tree, the fruit is going to drop to the ground and rot and it will fail to reproduce. So the purpose behind a tree producing fruit is so that it can reproduce. (coughs) The purpose of God asking us or, or producing fruit, bearing fruit in us is so that we can reproduce. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. God wants others in our lives to taste of the fruit that is being born in us and see that the Lord is good. You see, His Spirit bearing all of those fruits could have power in the lives of the people around you. So so in the past you might have thought, oh my goodness, this Christian walk is hard. I gotta love people and be joyful all the time and I don't feel joyful, but I smile just so that people think I'm a good Christian. This is hard work because the Bible tells me I've got to bear all these fruits. It's not actually for your sake, it's for the sake of the people around you, for your schools, for your universities, for your workplaces, for your families, for your friends. That's the reason God wants to produce fruit in your life so they can taste and see that the Lord is good. So that begs this question. How fruity are you? You can tweet that one. How fruity are you? If the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness and self-control, gentleness and self-control, then how fruity are you? If people look at your life, do they say, I want to be like them. I want to, f- I want to model my life off their life because look at the fruit that's being produced. Now, that's not an accusatory question. I'm not condemning you because it's not your job to produce the fruit. right? So if, if you look at your life and you think, I'm not very fruity. I'm like, I just got lemons. They're fruit, but you don't use them that often. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, but only a little squeeze of lemon in the salad dressing. You might look at your life and think, I'm not very fruity. Well, I'm not, I'm not having a go at you. You don't need to feel bad about that because it's not your job to produce the fruit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to produce the fruit 
inside you. So don't feel bad, but it's worth taking stock. How fruity are you? Then the question is, do you want the Holy Spirit to produce more fruit in your life? Does anybody here this morning want the Holy Spirit to produce more of that fruit in their life? Good. So did the Galatians. The Galatians wanted more fruit in their life. They wanted to grow. They wanted to bear fruit. And so here's how they were doing it. Jordan and David. Can I ask you to just grab either side of this table, please? And just bring it around so it's here. And we can play around with some trees. Has anyone ever wanted to do a gardening lesson in church? Well, I did. So that's why, I, that's why I'm preaching this message this morning. That'll do lovely. <clears throat> so the Galatians are here. And, and they've got a tree. They've got this one here. They had this one, and it died. And they're like, it's not very fruity, is it? Look at that. It just breaks easily. It's got ends, and it's all dead, and everyone can see I'm not a very good Christian. Everyone can see I haven't got any fruit. So what do they do? They think, I'm going to look fruity. I'm going to get some fruit going on in my life. So they start finding whatever fruit they can find. Doesn't matter. Just take note. They're like, oh. guys, we've got to look more fruity because people are looking at us thinking, they're not very Christian. We're going to make them see that we're alive and well, that we are bearing fruit. They can come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Here we go. We got fruit. There's no leaves. Let's get some leaves from Ben. He's particularly leafy. And just put them there like that. Because the thing is, no one wants to look like a bad Christian, do they? So we find ways to make ourselves look like good Christians. And even though you don't feel loving, in fact, you feel like you hate the person, you put a smile on and pretend to be loving. Even though you don't feel joyful, you know you're supposed to be joyful, so you start smiling through gritted teeth. You do this one. I'm sitting out here right now. Look, that looks like a tree, right? I think we need more fruit. We need more fruit. I'll do a big one over here. No, that's broken. It's dead. Nobody saw that. Okay. I'm a good Christian. Look at all that fruit that I'm producing. I'm fruity. And leafy. I got some more. I'm just sort of do like that. You see, this is what we're meant to look like, right? <laughs> Not great. See, the problem with trying to appear fruity is that one of two things will happen. One, you'll look dead despite your efforts. And two, 
or two, if you manage to make it spooky enough, these ones are going to continue to grow. These ones are going to rot. And so you're going to spend all of your time and effort continually changing over your rotten fruit for stuff that looks a little less rotten. And can I tell you, you're going to wear yourself right out. The trouble with pretending to be fruity is that you've got no actual fruit. It's a facade. I've got a tweet for you. God's more interested in managing your behind the scenes than he is in maintaining your facade. God's more interested in maintaining your behind the scenes than he is in maintaining your facade. See, see, this was never his intention. He doesn't want us just to pretend to be loving, joyful, peaceful, kind. Oh, but I've got to be a good example for Jesus. Well, that's not a very good example. So don't beat yourself up about it. You're doing it all the wrong way. What does God want to do? God wants to actually grow a tree where the tree produces fruit in and of itself. Whose job is it to produce the fruit of the Spirit? The Holy Spirit. So instead of putting your effort into acting lovingly towards somebody that you dislike, why don't you ask God to change your heart and produce that love inside you? Instead of trying to look more like you have love, why don't you seek the God who is love? Here's how we can grow without doing it in our own strength. I'm just pausing for effect, letting the suspense build up. Does anybody want to hear this this morning? How we can grow without doing it in our own strength? There's three people who really want to hear that. Does anybody else want to hear... How we can grow. (laughs) It's very simple. We let the Holy Spirit do His job and you do your job. So what does that mean? Let Him produce the fruit. You tend to the tree. If the Holy Spirit is the tree inside you producing fruit, Don't worry about producing fruit on your own. You look after the tree. Because if you don't look after the tree, the tree will die and stop producing fruit. So you do your job, let the Holy Spirit do His job. When you make room for and welcome the Holy Spirit in your life, He will naturally transform your character so that the fruits of the Spirit flow out of you naturally. That's good preaching. Hashtag grow. (laughs) So I want to give you this morning three ways to foster growth in your Holy Spirit tree. Okay? Is that cool? Good. So listen carefully and allow this to challenge you. I would love it if you determined right now to take one of these three things home and say, I'm going to change something in my life this week to start helping my Holy Spirit tree grow better and produce more fruit. Because if you want more fruit, your job is to tend to the tree, not to start sticking lemons on dead sticks. <laughs> the first key to looking after your tree, we c- and I'm going to get these all from what trees need. Obviously, I haven't got every single thing that a tree needs. Just chill out, all right? 
I'm preaching, I like a three-point message. The first one is this, a tree needs water and sunlight. Jordan, no, who, who, does anyone like volunteering? Jordan, <laughs> why don't you come, why don't you come, I've got some water here. You can just water the tree, but just keep in mind that there's only a small tray here. So, you know, you put too much in, it'll overflow and Liz will have a heart attack. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to water the tree. Everything all right down the front row? <laughs> he really didn't put that much in. <laughs> so a tree needs water and sunlight. Water for a, for a plant is like constant fuel and sunlight brings the energy to the leaves and it flows throughout the tree so that it can have everything working properly. Thank you, Jordan. You can sit down. I'll, I'll get you up later. You can get your hands dirty. <laughs> John 4 verse 14 says this. It's Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Those... those <laughs> Why can't you see? Is there a tree in the way? I'll read it to you. Those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And so by connecting to Jesus, we are refreshed and filled with life. What is that in our world? It has to be prayer and worship. Sunlight is like basking in worship. Like you're, you're literally receiving energy from the sun. Prayer is like being watered. It's a constant fuel that needs to run through our life. Being connected to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. So he's giving the impression that we receive, uh, we rece- we, by being connected to him, we receive that sustenance, that life from the vine. We're not doing it all on our own. So we need to remain connected to Jesus. The way that we do that is through continual prayer and through worship. You see, it's easy to get caught up in life and realize, actually, you just stop for a second and think, I'm not connected to the vine. I'm just going through the motions. Have you ever done that? I've done that. We know how to do this Christian church thing. And so, you know, sometimes you realize, oh, I haven't really prayed at all this week i'm not connected to the vine anymore luckily god's a master grafter (laughs) he just grafts you back onto the vine i think that some of us need to broaden our prayer types i think uh it's easy to do the shopping list and beyond that we get confused But if you do a shopping list, you're kind of treating God like a a wish-granting genie in the sky, aren't you? It's a classic example, but it's a good one. If if I'm going to maintain a good relationship with my wife, I need to stay connected with her through communication. We stay connected to Jesus through prayer. So, So if every day I come home from work and I just... The only thing that I say to my wife is... uh, can you please uh, make dinner and can you uh, bring me a cup of tea and turn the TV down and turn the heating on and 
and I just ask her for all of these things, I feel like that's going to be a rubbish marriage. Can any married person testify to the fact that if that's all you did when you came home from work, your marriage would be on the stinker pretty quickly? (laughs) Put your hands up. Come on. Thank you. Okay. But we we talk about much more than that. You know, (laughs) sometimes I sing to Kirsty. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? You can testify to the fact. You are so beautiful to me. That's the classic one. I love you, baby. And if it's quite... I'll pull out all the stuff. I, I want her to know that I'm full of joy and I love her, right? Does anyone else sing to their wife or am I the only person? Heiki? Yes. Phew. <laughs> you know, I sing to her. I tell her that she's beautiful and that she's wonderful. Probably not as much as I should. <laughs> but I do do it. That's like, that's like worship, isn't it? Isn't that us singing to the Lord and saying, I love you, God. I give you honor and glory. You're so faithful. You're so wonderful. There's something in a relationship beyond just give me this, 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 and this. I think sometimes people think worship's weird. Oh, why are we singing songs? We don't sing songs to people. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) We do it all the time. Every pop song's about some girl that's gone astray and he's singing a love song to her. Not every song. Come on. You You get the idea. I ask for Kirsty's opinion about things. Do you ask for God's opinion about your life? I ask for Kirsty's direction. Don't always listen. <laughs> Maybe I should. Do you ask for God's direction in your life? Why don't you let this challenge you this morning? I thank Kirsty for the things that she does. I try and make an effort to thank her. If she cooks dinner, I'll always thank her. Thank you for cooking dinner. That's not me thanking her now for every time she's done it in the past. That's an example of what I say. Are you continually thanking God for what he's doing in your life? You know, I share my thoughts with Kirsty. I share my worries with her and I share my excitement with her. I think God wants us to do the same in prayer, to be talking to him constantly. So what would it take for you to set aside some quiet time each, di- each day to pray? What would you pray about? You could pray in the car on the way to work. You could pray in the shower. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So that means pray while you're sleeping. I'm still working on that one. <laughs> You know, those of you who know how to pray and you feel like you've got this down pat, you're well connected, it's not a solo sport. Why don't you go and find somebody to pray for or pray with? That's discipleship. Why don't you include Jesus in your relationships? The more you do it, the more natural it becomes and you teach others how to pray. Parents, why don't you pray with your kids? Husbands, why don't you pray with your wives? Young people, Pray with your friends. 
Don't make it weird. You don't always have to be, it doesn't always have to be this really big thing. Let's all stand. All right, you know, you're just at school and someone's like, oh, I'm having a bad day. Okay, let's stand. Close your eyes. Let me lay hands upon you. Start speaking in tongues. We'll put some music on. <laughs> don't, you don't have to make it a big thing. Just say, well, Jesus, we welcome you into this situation and we, I just pray that you help him. Amen. You, you're including your best friend in the, in the, relation, the other relationships that you have. It's good preaching. Okay, so the second thing is, is a, a plant needs good soil. So Jordan, can you come up here? There's some potting mix in the thing. This is just rubbish soil that I got from the garden. I need you to come and just pot some more potting mix in there. So just use your hands as you will. I'll clean up the lemons. Here we go. Just need a bit of extra potting mix as topsoil because a plant needs good soil. A plant draws nutrients from the soil. So it's essentially being fed by the soil. So that's like food to the plant. Food, Diane, food to the plant. Oh, she's got her hands up. What was it? And what was the line? We are what we eat. Well done. Let's give Diane a round of applause. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you are what you eat. So the plant, thank you, Jordan. The plant needs good soil. We need good food. John 4, 31 to 34 says this. Those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes... Uh, 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 sorry, I've just copied both of those scriptures together. We've read that one already. It's later on in the same passage. Jesus is saying to the woman at the well, did someone bring... Now let me go back a little bit. Thank you. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Lembas bread. For anyone who's seen Lord of the Rings, he's keeping it in his back pocket. One small bite can satisfy the stomach of a fully grown man. Ben, how many did you eat? Four. He says, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Matthew 4, 3-4 says this, During the time the devil came and said to him, to Jesus, Jesus is in the desert being tempted by the devil. If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become loaves of bread. He's been fasting for 40 days. Now, if you're the son of God, you can just say to the devil, no, I won't do it, right? And then he, he kind of has to go. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here we find two things. One is, the word is like food to the soul. And two, Jesus uses the word as a sword to cut off the enemy and protect himself from temptation. So the will and the word of God were considered by Jesus to be food to ourselves in the same way that good soil is food to the plant. 
We are what we eat. If you're what you eat, how much of the Word of God are you eating? If I would, I would go so far as to say that if, if the only spiritual food in the Word that you're reading is the verses that we read out on a Sunday, you have an eating disorder. <laughs> That's not enough nourishment for the soul. You are what you eat. So, so if you want to be more Christ-like, why don't you start eating of that? Why don't you just start with something a little bit extra? Maybe a verse a day. Why don't you start with Proverbs and do one verse? Why don't you get your phone out before you get in the shower and you read one proverb? And then whilst you're in the shower, you read, oh God. Love J. John talks about I was in the shower. And like, oh, Holy Spirit, just flood all over me. So you can be in the shower and you can be thinking, what does that proverb mean for my life? You could let it wash over you and fill you and sustain you. I've found that the flicking point is kind of, it feels miraculous, doesn't it? It's like, it's exciting to do a flicking point through your Bible. You get your Bible out and you're like, God, I need an answer. <laughs> Bang. Throw babies against rocks. No, that doesn't sound quite right, does it? Flick it with that. Oh, that sounds good. And you get there, and you're like, that's a miracle. That's the Lord speaking to me. And it feels really special because somehow, coincidentally, you found a verse that had to do with what you were wanting an answer for. Can I tell you, I've found that God is very big. And God can speak to you if you're also doing a structured Bible reading plan. In fact, He can speak to you not only in the times when you're desperately in need of help, but He can teach you things that will help you when you're not at the very bottom of the pit. So if you make a habit out of feeding from the Word, He can be continuously teaching you and showing you things. I'd get rid of the flicking point altogether. Why don't you make it a habit to get into the Word? My question for you is this. If you lost access to the Bible tomorrow, would you have enough spiritual food to sustain you for the rest of your life? Because we sometimes take the Bible for granted because we can access it on every device, on every bookshelf. There's millions of copies printed. That wasn't always the case. So if you lost access to the Bible tomorrow, would you have enough spiritual food to sustain you for the rest of your life? Because you would have to do what many of the early Christians did and continually be recalling, what scripture do I know? What scripture in this circumstance can I call upon to be the sword of the Spirit and cast out the devil and, and help me in this situation? Have you got enough food to sustain you? If not, build a warehouse and start filling it with food. Alpha uses this example. It says there's a man who bought a brand new car. 
And he was so excited about this car. It was a German make. It was brand new. It was luxury. He loved it so much that he pulled out the manual and he started to read the manual. And he's reading it. He's getting really excited about the fact that he's got this new car. And he just loves it so much that he pours over the manual day and night and day and night. And he starts to read. He gets to the end and he starts at the beginning again. He starts reading. He's just he loves this car, right? So, so he wants to know everything about the car. And then he thinks, maybe it's not enough that I'm just here reading this manual on my own. I know what I'll do. I'll get a group of friends together and we'll study the manual together. And then they get together and they have little discussion groups about what's written in the car manual. And they start thinking, oh, and you can do this and it's got this new feature and you can get this much mileage out of it. Isn't that amazing? Yes, they say. Yes, we should start more of these groups. In fact, it's not enough that we read it in English because the the car is a German make. So maybe we should learn German and then we can study the manual in its original language. And then they go back and they study the manual in its original language and they start to find new meaning out of the manual. But they haven't actually driven the car. So so you you can be reading the word and you can totally miss the point. You could read the word every day and miss the point. The point of the manual is to teach you how to drive the car. The Bible is meant to show us how to live our life with Christ. So so, so you can either be completely spiritually deficient and hungry as, or you can be full and full of crap because it's no use to anybody. You've got to not only eat, but you have to digest and put it into action. It means when you read the Word, you need to be asking God, how can I apply this to my life? If you're discipling somebody, which I pray that all of you are, let me share this with you. If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. When you're discipling somebody, if you just tell them what the Bible says... That's, not, that's like giving them a fish that they can eat for a day. If you teach them to read the Word for themselves, then you're teaching them to fish for a lifetime. The Great Commission says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, Father, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says... Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. It doesn't say teach them all I have commanded you. It says teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. So it's not just about teaching them the words, it's about showing them how to put it into action. The last thing is this, the environment for a tree. A tree needs to send roots down deep to get the water up. Am I right? If a tree is on its own, like the trees at my father's property right on the top of the hill, which is one of the windiest places in South Australia, all the wind, all the wind blows them over like that and the trees struggle like all heck. If a tree is part of a forest, they're surrounded by trees, it breaks the wind and they're safe and can be strong. A tree needs to be planted with roots deep and in a forest. What do you think that means? We have to be in church. We've got to be planted in the house. If a tree's on its own, it will fall over. If you're on your own as a Christian, chances are you're more likely 
to fall over. Can I challenge you this morning to get committed to church? Don't just attend but participate. Be engaged, get involved, serve, build long-lasting, meaningful relationships. Sometimes, sometimes you have to move churches. That happens. But we shouldn't do it lightly and we shouldn't do it without great care. Got my last little plant over here. The container is like the church. If you're going to move from one church to another, right, you want to carefully remove the roots and make sure that you're doing it for the purpose of growth. So if I'm just like, oh, I don't really like the worship anymore. doesn't make me tingle as much as it used to. I'm going to go to this church. <laughs> That's the container, right? We don't worship the container, we worship God. But as soon as you start moving yourself around, uh, and the preaching is not great. Pastor didn't remember my birthday. Going back to this one. <laughs> You're going to be dead before you know it. Just going to do that a little bit more, just to get the point across. Have you got that? You got it. Okay, good. George, I did that one on my own. You didn't have to get your hands dirty. <laughs> if you want to be in a forest, you've got to get people around you. You've got to build relationships that strengthen you and support you. Why don't you stand with me? How do we grow? We grow not by trying to produce fruit, but by opening ourselves to the Holy Spirit. My, my parents live in a house where I grew up and the neighbour had a chestnut tree. And the chestnut tree was rubbish. It would put chestnuts all over the ground and they're spiky and irritating. You have to sweep them up all the time. It would have been worthwhile had the chestnuts been good chestnuts. But they weren't. You'd open it up, you'd prise it open with your feet like that and there'd be this spindly little thing that's not edible for anybody. Until one day, the neighbours decided to graft a new tree onto the chestnut tree. I didn't even notice that it had happened. What I did notice is the change in the fruit. When the chestnuts fall now, you open them up and they're full-bodied, big chestnuts. All of us have a tree on the inside of us. Some of us are not producing good fruit. If you're disconnected from the Son of God, from Jesus then you cannot produce fruit because God is love. So to produce good fruit of love, you need to be connected to Him. So in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you would like to become connected to the Son of God, to Jesus, to have Him in your life and accept Him as your Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And then afterwards, we're going to pray briefly. The Holy Spirit's come and fill each one of us so that He can produce fruit in our life. When you accept Jesus into your life, it's like you're grafting a new tree onto the tree that was once there. And it can then begin to produce good fruit. So why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads while no one's looking around. I want to ask you, if you're here this morning and you would like to ask Jesus into your life and begin a new life with Him, it's like grafting 
the old tree to the new tree. If that's you this morning and you would like to do that, to ask Jesus into your life, would you put your hand up and acknowledge that that's you and I'll see your hand and we can pray together to ask Jesus to come into your life. Is there anyone here that would like to do that? Just raise your hand. Fantastic. Normally we give the opportunity for somebody, if you feel like you've walked away and come back, I'm going to include that in the second prayer as we pray together this morning. So keep your eyes closed. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven? We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. If you're here this morning and you don't feel very fruity, why don't you open your heart to Him that produces the fruit? Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we pray you come right now. We pray you touch every heart. Pray you fill them, Lord, that they might produce good fruit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and help us to pray, help us to read your word, help us to be part of a community that can strengthen us. Holy God, thank you, Father. Praise you, God. If you want more fruit, why don't you determine this morning to change something this week, not to produce more fruit, but to tend to the tree and trust that God will produce the fruit through you. In Jesus' name.